Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. My guest is Elizabeth Donnelly. She's the CEO of NeuroPoint DX. The website is Neuro, N-E-U-R-O, point, P-O-I-N-T, DX, as in David uh, X-Ray.com. Uh, Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I appreciate you coming. And uh, I saw from the description briefly I, you know, that uh, we're going to be talking about metabolomics as it applies to uh, treating autism spectrum disorder. But uh, I wanted to ask you, can you tell me a little bit about what you do in your own words and uh, a little bit about your journey to get here? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I am the CEO of Stemina Biomarker Discovery and its uh, neurological disorders company, NeuroPoint DX. Um, I started the company 11 years ago uh, around the idea that we could use metabolomics to understand the underlying biochemistry or biology of certain conditions. And our primary focus at NeuroPoint has been on autism spectrum disorders. We do have plans to focus on other hard-to-diagnose and treat spectrum disorders such as anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, and the like. But the Mm. primary focus has been on autism. Um, and so we're just now culminating uh, work of about eight years uh, looking at the underlying metabolism of children with autism. Yeah, well, what is metabolomics? So metabolomics, uh, simply put, metabolomics is the study of your metabolism, just like genomics mm-hmm. is the study of your genes. So we look okay. at the biochemistry of um, of the patient um, or of a cellular system, any kind of an organism, and really try to understand what's different about the underlying metabolism as it relates to a particular disorder or condition. So what, what kind of markers do you look for when you evaluate someone's metabolism? Do you look for certain chemical signatures or how do you know what, uh, like what is metabolism? Sure, absolutely. Um, we'd look at things like amino acids, um, small signaling molecules, enzymes, hormones. Um, we have um, an example I'd like to give that you would be familiar with is um, glucose. So glucose is a measure that we could make with our metabolomics platform, and it's a biomarker of diabetes. So if glucose is high, then we would treat with modified diet and insulin therapy. And what we like about metabolomics is it's closest to the end expression of the phenotype of who you are. So in the diabetes example, um, it doesn't really matter in terms of the therapy and the diagnosis of the disorder, whether you have a genetic predisposition and everyone in your family gets diabetes at some particular age, or you're morbidly obese and your diet has challenged your pancreas to make insulin, or you have a virus that has damaged your pancreas and made it uh, not as competent to produce insulin. In each and every case, we would diagnose through high levels of glucose and treat with modified diet and insulin therapy. So that's what we like about metabolomics is that we don't have to understand all of the underlying biology. We can look at uh, biochemistry and it provides opportunities for diagnosis as well as targets for new therapies. Okay. So um, you said you've been studying the metabolism of uh, kids that have been diagnosed with autism. So what kind of differences have you seen? Um, So we just published a paper in biological psychiatry in September, um, which focused on amino acid dysregulation. Um, And in this particular case, what we observed was a very strong association between 
um, low branch chain amino acids with concomitantly higher levels of three other amino acids, ornithine, glycine, and glutamine. And um, this seems to be a signature that predicts about 17% of um, the children that we saw in our clinical study. Um, that was the 1100 um, Children Autism Metabolome Project or CAMP, 1100 patients um, ages 18 months to 48 months. And there is some underlying biology that's known um, in a rare family in the Mediterranean who has um, low branch chain amino acids combined with higher levels of other amino acids. And the result in that family is a high incidence of neurodevelopmental disruption, autism, and epilepsy. So we think that what we're seeing in our study is a more subtle version of changes to the metabolism um, than is the case in this family that has a complete mutation of the function. Um, but it allows us to accurately identify about 17% of the kids. And we hypothesize that we might actually be able to improve outcome for those kids by um, a high protein or branch chain supplemented diet. Um, there's evidence in the literature to support that with this family in the Mediterranean as well as a rodent model um, that was made of a knockout of the same gene. Um, and they, in both cases, were able to improve the behaviors um, of the children and the rodent knockout model through a high-protein branch supplemented diet. Oh, so what was observed when you gave them a higher-protein diet? You know, first the, the rodents and then the kids. And... Yeah, so they improved the, the child um, improved the Vineland score, which is one of the behavioral assessments that's used for autism. And in the case of the rodents, they improve their autism-like behaviors. So it's a hypothesis still at this point for us, but we actually are designing a clinical study and a formulation for this potential supplement with the help of a pediatric nutritional specialist um, to call back the children that are in the camp study who have this metabotype and then see if we can intervene and improve outcome. Well, what about the, uh, the three amino acids that are elevated? Is there any way or reason to try to suppress them or remove them from the diet? So that their levels will come down into balance? That's a good question. Um, the hypothesis based on the previous literature that I talked about um, is that those will come down naturally when the balance of amino, the branch chain amino acids is higher because this also involves transport biology. So where there aren't enough branch chain amino acids to be transported, these transport systems opportunistically um, pick the next amino acid in line, which we think results in this coordinatedly higher level of the other amino acids to the low branch chain amino acids. So our first order of business will be to try to balance the branch chain met metabolism and then to see if we can bring those other amino acids more into balance just because of the fact that we have a better balance of the branch chains. Makes sense. Okay. Um, so the clinical, is a clinical trial or a clinical study you're going to give um, branch chain amino acids to kids? I guess, in a certain dose over a certain time and observe their behavior changes? That's correct. So it would be a both high-protein and branch-chain supplemented, um, probably a, a, just a powder that you can put into your favorite beverage or um, bottle of a small child. Um, and so the challenge is getting uh, the right balance for a child of you know who's small. You can buy branch-chain supplements um, for adults um, on the market already. But the requirements for children are different because they're smaller. And then getting the right balance between those things is part of the work of this pediatric nutritional specialist. And you mentioned um, people with anxiety disorder and other disorders. Do you see that the same indications possible with them or their metabolism is different? 
I think their metabolism is certainly different, um, but we would intend to study them in the same way that we have studied autism very closely because anxiety and depression occur in something like 25% of young people um, and 18% of adults. And it's very hard to diagnose and treat properly. And so just like with autism spectrum disorder, where we get the diagnosis, we go to the internet, we read about a variety of different things and we sort of try everything, um, we are about the business of being more precise. I like to say it's a little bit similar to where cancer was two generations ago. People would say, um, you know, I have cancer and think of it as one disease. And now we recognize that even within a tissue type, there are a variety of different disorders that are breast cancer, for example, and that they need to be diagnosed and treated based on their individual markers. So we think that neurodevelopmental and neurological disorders um, are about two generations behind where we are now with cancer. Companies like Foundation Medicine and Myriad are doing a great job of helping to identify markers that help physicians choose more specific treatments uh, based on the underlying biology of the particular cancer tumor type. And we think that the same thing can be done with these notoriously hard to diagnose and treat neurological disorders. Um, can people get a, uh, a kit to test their own blood to look for these metabolistic metabolic metabolic markers, or is it only done in certain labs, or how would you even find out what's going on with you? Yeah, good question. No, at this point, it couldn't be done um, by um, an individual with a kit. It needs to be done using mass spectrometry, which is a fairly sophisticated, expensive instrument. Um, we offer that test, uh, or will be offering that test through our uh, laboratory here in the United States. Um, and we also will be partnering with other labs that will be able to deliver the test. Um, for now, it will just be patients sending us samples, and it does need to be ordered by a, a physician. So the physician would order the, the sample, collect the blood, and then send it to our lab for analysis, and then the report would go back out to the physician. And this is also important. You know, we live in a, um, an era of sort of medical tourism, if you will. You can go uh, to 23andMe and get a report. And in fact, I got one recently for my son who has autism. Um, and what you get is a lot of information, but you really need the help of an expert to try to decipher what is meaningful and what is just noise as compared to another individual. So that's why it's really important um, to have a good clinical study. It's important to have a lab that has that specific and precise expertise. And it's very important to work with your physician to understand the results. But right now, people say if their physician recommends it, they can... Uh... Do a, what is it a blood sample or what kind of sample to send to you? It would be a blood sample, yes. Okay, so if physician approves, they can send a blood sample to your company, and your company will provide. I'm sure not recommendations because they're not at that point yet, but at least an analysis of what amino acids present or what would the analysis show, possibly. So the the analysis will show both um, whether or not the patient is positive for any of the metabotypes that we've identified through the camp study thus far. And we've published on uh, three of them, which are accounting for about 17% um, of the children that we've tested. But in fact, the, the total amine analysis um, includes 13 metabotypes, and it describes about 30% of the kids so that we've seen in camp. Um, and so you would get a report about whether you're positive or negative for any of those metabotypes. You also will get a quantitative readout of the, um, each of the amine-containing compounds in the panel. And so you can understand whether any of your um, amine levels, like your amino acids, are out of balance with what's the known reference range. But it's also really important to understand that 
the cutoffs and thresholds that we've set through the CAMP study are um, only available through NeuroPoint DX. We're the only lab who's spent the time to build a clinical study of this magnitude. And that allows us to set a cutoff or threshold for where the metabotype sort of line is, if you will, with regard to the quantity of these small molecules. And that's something that you know, requires clinical data to do. So that's the way that it will currently work. You'll get a report that will show positive or negative for each of the 13 metabotypes and a summary of what your quantitative amount is of each of the 32 amines that are in the panel. Okay. Is this also for adults or only for children? Um, so the clinical study was children aged 18 months to 48 months. So it's recommended for children over 18 months, but probably likely still valid for children who have not yet reached um, the age of puberty because the amino acid levels in children um, stay relatively the same from age two um, up through puberty. So if you just ordered a typical amino acid panel from one of the large diagnostic houses, the range is pretty wide and it spans that age group. Um, we recommend it for 18 to 48 months. And of course our goal to start with was to move the average age of diagnosis back for autism. So right now it can be accurately di diagnosed through behaviors um, as young as 24 months but the average age of diagnosis in the United States is four and a half years. And part of the reason for that is that parents and physicians uh, often play a wait and see game. And they see that a child is not developing um, as quickly, for example, as an older sibling. Um, they might say, well, let's have it, you know, let's wait and see how Johnny does at the next well baby checkup. Um, and so time is lost when um, valuable behavioral therapy could be um, intervened with and the child would improve based just on that uh, alone. I know in our own experience, my son, uh, Jack, is 22, and um, he had delayed development early on, but he had a very chatty, very verbal older sister. And so um, both our physician and my husband and I thought, well, you know, he's a boy, and of course, he's going to talk a little later. And, and so time went by, and he was actually only, he was actually seven by the time he received his diagnosis. Um, and even when he was diagnosed, um, the diagnosis was pervasive developmental delay, not otherwise specified, or PDD-NOS, which is a um, subset of autism based on behaviors. And the physician didn't use the word autism with us. And so it really wasn't until he was about 14 and we were doing this work um, at Semina NeuroPoint that I was reading a scientific article and realized that PDD-NOS uh, was in the table along with autism and Asperger's as different forms of autism. And, you know, we had, we knew by that point he had significant developmental delays and we knew he had some of the behaviors of autism, um, but a lot of time was wasted um, during, you know, slow diagnosis and lack of information um, that we're really seeking to try to change so that there is a good tool for a child as young as 18 months that is experiencing developmental delay to be uh, assessed. So what are the uh, the 13 metabotypes? So there are a variety of ratios between um, amine-containing compounds and um, other amine-containing compounds. The ones we published on are um, three amino acids over the branch chain amino acids, but some of the other ones are not amino acids, but instead they're neurotransmitters and neuroinhibitors. Um, and so they have a really different role and describe a different biology uh, using the same chemical um, testing platform that we've created for these small molecules. Um, so there'll, there'll be another paper coming out around some of these and a second panel actually will be, uh, is undergoing validation and should be validated by the end of November. Um, and this one is more containing purine and uremic toxins 
um, and that one will describe another set of patients. So it looks like there's very little overlap between the first amine analysis panel and the second panel. Um, hopefully we'll be up over 50% then of the children that we can describe with the identified subtypes through CAMP so far. So, all right, so this is for autism diagnosis. That's also for, you said, anxiety, depression, or just anxiety, or what are the conditions? No, this is just for autism. So the anxiety okay. and depression are future projects. We would need to recruit a similar clinical study in order to set those um, thresholds and, um, you know, do that accurately based on clinical data. Yeah, why do you think that um, there may be a signature there? Is it just because you you found one here that you think there's so much more to know about uh, you know amino acid profiles in people that they may correlate with these other conditions, or you know what makes you think that? So we don't actually know that they will correlate with the amine analysis that we do for autism. We would let the data tell us what's important, but what we do know is that we've been very successful in finding biochemical signatures of disorders and a response to toxic substances with our metabolomics platform. And that makes me optimistic that we can look at the biochemistry of, say, a clinical, clinically recruited study of patients that have uh, anxiety or depression or both and cre create some signatures that will help us to diagnose um, more specifically based on their biochemistry. And of course, those also offer opportunities for new drug targets and new therapies that will specifically address the imbalance that we see. So this is really hypothesis driven, but it's, I would say, an educated guess, just given what we've been able to discern in other disorders using our platform. Is your goal to see this in uh, children only or adults, or what, what's your, uh, your plan going forward? So in the case of autism, we want to continue to expand the age group um, that this is applicable to. So we do want to try to do an infant study, for example, and follow them through age two when they can be diagnosed through behaviors to confirm their diagnosis. Um, that would be really important, especially if we see that we can change outcome by uh, treating, for example, with this branch chain and high protein supplement in this subset of children, we would want to intervene with them as soon as we can. Um, a little bit like PKU, which is an inborn error of metabolism that every newborn is screened for, they have to have a modified diet starting within the first weeks of life um, in wow. order to avoid becoming cognitively impaired. So we want to definitely move this uh, diagnosis back earlier. We also want to expand uh, later in life. So we want to understand if um, children or young adults can benefit from these supplements. We know um, with our son that we tried modified diets, dietary supplements, vitamins, attention deficit medicine. And what we found was that a modified diet, a paleo solution-like diet, um, actually did help with acuity and attention. Um, and we thought it was what we removed, the gluten, casein, artificial ingredients, you know, we instead had grass-fed animals and wild-caught fish and organic fruits and vegetables. And it was probably what we had left, which was a lot of protein. Um, and so this is something that you know, we can be more precise about. Um, and there's a science for that. It's called metabolomics, and we do it every day at Stemina and NeuroPoint. So we want to expand you know, the current research both directions, both younger and older. Um, with regard to anxiety and depression, there is a, actually a lot of overlap in autism with some of these other conditions. So a lot of children who have um, autism have anxiety, depression, OCD, um, uh, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, 
epilepsy. So we'll start to, by expanding um, with children who have comorbid conditions, uh, autism combined with some of these other things, because that will keep us sort of in the same neurodevelopmental centers and call points. Mm. But eventually, the ambition would be to move out into um, adult uh, diagnosis and treatment because anxiety and depression is something that people grapple with, whether or not they have autism, and even, you know, certainly as they are adults, um, and it is debilitating. It can really be um, something that handicaps people from enjoying their life and pursuing, you know, their goals. And so we'll start kind of close to home uh, with children, um, but likely move into adults as we as we go forward. Yeah, there are other companies that are wanting to, uh, you know, share your data and use that to do studies on adults or other types of groups. Uh, we haven't encountered anyone who wanted to do study on adults so far. We do have a couple of companies that are interested in looking at um, samples from our camp study for their platforms. Um, and we're always open for collaboration where it makes sense. Our goal is to create an opportunity for the best diagnosis and treatment for these kids. I really think um, some of these smaller companies need to get consolidated into one stop for um, autism physicians and clinicians and neurodevelopmental specialists to you know, send a single sample. It doesn't make sense for all of us to recruit an $8 million four-year, 1,100-patient study and build a sales team right. and, um, and so on. So those are the kinds of conversations we like to have because I think in an environment of scarce resources, it just drives up costs if we can't collaborate and try to find a way you know, to lever leverage this for the benefit of children and families. And you know, this is great that you're finding a, essentially a dietary intervention, a tailored one. What I don't know if you just threw a percentage at it. I know it's not a panacea; it doesn't cure everything. But how much does this help uh, a child with autism or Asperger's, et cetera? Is it a little? You know, can you classify it as a little bit, a lot? What can you say about it? Well, you know, it would be hard to quantify since we haven't yet delivered the test. But what we do know from looking at uh, the literature is, for example, behavioral therapy done earlier can make an enormous difference um, in the outcome for a child. So a high-functioning child who's able to get behavioral therapy very young might even go to school without an individual education plan or IEP. And even children who are more challenged by symptoms of autism can improve their verbal skills, um, their self-control, their behaviors in a way that allows them to participate more fully um, in the educational process and in life in general. So our goal is first and foremost, earlier diagnosis and intervention with behavioral therapy. Now, coming to the, these more precise interventions, we don't know yet how significant a difference it can make um, in the outcome for the child. That's the subject of a next study. But we do know that when we look at the literature, there is significant improvement, um, enough that it's recordable in the behavioral testing of these kids and um, the testing of the rodents that were created to sort of mimic that disorder. And so we can be hopeful that that can make a big difference. I think anecdotally, we know that modified diet and supplements work for some children. What we're missing right now is the precision. It's sort of a um, spaghetti against the wall approach, if you will, or just try everything. And that's a, a very imprecise way to proceed. And in fact, um, probably makes it difficult for people to stay with it. So I know when we cleaned out our, our cupboards and got rid of gluten, casein, you know, artificial ingredients and had to fill the freezer with, you know, grass-fed animals and uh, organic uh, vegetables. It was an expensive undertaking and it was hard to stick with um, and also hard to monitor as your uh, child goes off to you know, live on their own or to go to college. So being able to choose something that's simpler where you can eat a, more of a typical diet and then supplement with the branch chains and 
and the higher protein um, powder or shake um, seems to have promise for both compliance and, and outcome. But we've got work to do, you know, to prove up those hypotheses. Oh, that's great. It's good you're doing this. So what's what's ahead on the roadmap, just to clarify, for the next year or so? Um, so we hope to launch our first panel um, as a commercial test before the end of the year. So we're working diligently to try to get that accomplished. Um, we have received our CLIA lab certification here um, at our labs. And so we are able to um, take samples from 45 states currently. Um, so once the test rolls out, it will be available in an early access program through key sites um, and a number of locations in the country. Um, we're out raising money to try to support further commercialization of the test. So we'll be rolling it out to more sites and more states um, over the, the course of 2019. Um, we're, as I said, validating the second panel. Um, that should be finished by the end of the year and another publication will be in the works. Hopefully that panel will be available on the market in the early part of 2019. Um, and we're starting to look for partners um, for distribution. So I mentioned that we don't want to, um, if we can avoid it, we don't want to have to spend a whole lot of capital on building a large commercialization team. We'd like to have a few people here, but we like to interface with some larger partners who already have uh, sales and distribution and marketing to the major neurodevelopmental centers and pediatric practices across the country. So we're working on that. And then lastly, um, we're starting to look at foreign markets. So um, partnering with diagnostic companies in places like South America, the Middle East, where the incidence of autism, rather than being 1.7% as it is here, is about 6%, um, and in Europe and Asia. So trying to get this test as widely disseminated with the help of partners as we can. That's great. All right. And then what's the best way for interested parties to get in touch? Um, they can visit neuropointdx.com. Um, there is actually a Contact Us button there. Um, right now, the site is, um, gives information about the upcoming test. When it goes live, there will be an um, actual tab for parents, another tab for clinicians and physicians, a way to order for the test and pay for it um, on the website. It can be um, paid for using your Flex Spending account, um, so that's convenient and um, good for, for parents and families. So um, visiting the website and sending us a note um, at info at neuropointdx.com is probably the, the best way to reach us. Oh, that's great, Elizabeth. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And I really appreciate the work you're doing. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate the call. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.